Welcome to Learning Through Math, the podcast. I'm Laura at I Teach the Why. I'm Karina at Mrs. Cousins 5. Our mission is to inspire ourselves and others to keep learning and improving with passion. And hugs. You can find us at learningthroughmath.com and on Twitter at Laura and Karina. Come and join us on this journey of learning. Thanks for joining us. We are recording this in February of 2022. And welcome to episode 69, learning about taking notes in class. This is going to be another good one. Yeah. I feel like I say that for every episode. <laughs> you, I think you do. <laughs> we have two shout outs. And honestly, they're, they're kind of shout outs for ourselves in the long run, aren't they, Karina? <laughs> I guess they are a little, yes. Karina, you Googled Learning Through Math podcast? I did. I We were looking for, you know, our shout outs, our regular shout outs, like if anybody has commented on things. And I, I can't ever find anywhere on Google Podcasts or on Tune In or on any – I don't think any other platform does reviews. I think it's only Apple Podcasts. I saw mm. that Spotify may be starting their oh. their reviews. Anyway – I Googled it. I Googled our our podcast and then I was just looking for reviews. And then we are on two lists right now. The first one is Brittany Roberts at Math with Minis. We are one of the 10 best elementary math podcasts to binge right now. That, wow. Like and I mean, and this is yes, it's a little shout out for ourselves, but I, but, but I do also want to shout out Brittany. Like I, I, I didn't know about this. Did you know about this math no. with minis? Uh, who knew? She's no. got a whole bunch of blog posts, which I'm gonna have to go through her blogs and read all about what what she says because now I'm curious. Now I need to know. So thank you to Brittany, whoever you are. Reach out to us. We'd love to, you know, continue the conversation. We are also on another list of the best 40 math podcasts. I mean, what? 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 <laughs> Crazy. That's so cool. <laughs> it, I, it, yeah. I, look, I don't even I don't even have words. I I'm so and I, listen, truly honored to be part of a list that includes who I think are all the greats, right? Yes. You've got Kyle and John from Math Moments That Matter. You've got Pam Harris from Math is Figure Outable. Yes, I you, wore that shirt today. Did you? <laughs> yeah. You've got Christina Tondevold from Build Math Minds, the recovering traditionalist. Mm-hmm. I mean, just so many people that I like look up to, right? And we're wow. on the same list as them. Like that's I, I wow. I know. We will link those into the show notes if you want to check out the other top 10 and top 40 math podcasts. And maybe something else will spark your fancy. Yeah. And I definitely will check out a few of those that are on that list. There's a few that have been in my... Like on your radar, in your sphere? Yes. On my radar that I just, I wanted to, you know, dive into and and take a listen to. There's just so much. And this is what I love about podcasts, right? They're, They're all free. You can listen to at your own pace, however you want. It's like PD in your pocket. PD on the beach, PD on the, sorry, my, my Canadian friends, PD on the beach. Um, it's not really beachy up there right now, uh, but it's not really beachy down here either. It's, it's cold, but anyway, you can do it on a walk. You can, you know, you can listen on a walk. You can listen wherever in your car, 
that's what's nice about podcasts. They're just, they're easy, right? I know. And you can learn a lot. You can learn a lot. I'm kind of upset that it took me so long to join the podcast community of not us doing a podcast, but me listening to podcasts. Yeah. You know? Anyway. But I feel like I, all the good all the good ones are, have just like come out recently enough. I feel like maybe around COVID time, that's when <laughs> things started, right? Just like us. The creativity started. Right. That's when we started and that's when a lot of others kind of – Reared up too, so. Yep. Our reflection for this week. Yes. Last week, we had an incredible guest on, Mariah, sharing her expertise and and just what a great episode that was. But we forgot to mention that she is presenting a session on Christina Tondevold's Build Math Minds Virtual Math Summit, which is coming up at the end of February. It's February 26th and 27th, and it's free. It's a free webinar. And it's two days worth of amazing PD. And Mariah's session is on multiplication. And she will be on Sunday morning, the 27th, 8 to 9 a.m. Pacific time. So we get get to sleep in a little bit. Yeah, just a little. (laughs) But don't miss out. I mean, there's – and there's amazing presenters. Yes. There's Mike Flynn and Pam Harris and – Doug Clements, Don Dibley, Hillary Kreisberg, Marion Small. I, I can't wait for Marion. Oh my Small. gosh. Yes. And Christina, of course, is of is course. presenting. And many others. Many, many others. So if you can, if you're able, I've registered. Did you register, Laura? I already did. Awesome. So register if you can. It's a listen again, free, free, mm. great learning opportunity. You don't want to miss out. Nope. Okay. I can't wait to share my good news. You ready? I am. I have been waiting since September. I got at my school building fact fluency kits. Yay. Now, listeners, you don't know what kind of weight I've had. I got six addition and subtraction kits seven multiplication division kits. And I, wow. I literally cannot wait to PD my teachers on this. Yeah. I am beyond excited. Yes. That, uh, I mean, I'm a little jealous. I'm not going to I know. <laughs> <laughs> but it's all good. It's all good. Listen, it's all, it's all good. Those kids will, it's going to be so great for them. It really is. And, and I- for the teachers too. I think yes. that a, it's a great kit to have and to resort back to and to, to know learn what- from, really. Learn, like, yes. The facilitator's guides- are awesome because they start with research and then give like the how to, how to implement this. But on the website, when you have a kit, there is so much PD on there and sample lessons. You know, Graham went into a school and they recorded him facilitating a number talk a contextualized practice problem, a three-act math task, like all the different components so that a teacher could see it before trying to do it on their own if they've never done anything like that before. And that is so necessary. I don't – like we need to have more of that. That when, – when authors publish books and 
show something. And I think that that was one of the things with building thinking classrooms. I wanted to see videos. The The book is fabulous and you can picture it. But as a teacher, it's still really uh, like there's you still want to see it. You know, you want to see it done uh, with real kids in the classroom to see how how does it work. Right. You can picture it and you can see that it visualizes everything is amazing and yeah, it just makes sense. But there's something, you know, when you watch it. Yes. So anyway, I'm thrilled that they have that opportunity and they get to see that because, uh, wow, that's, yeah, that's awesome. I hope your teachers know how lucky they are. (laughs) If not, send them my way. I'll tell them. Okay. (laughs) All right. So shall we get into it? Let's get into it. Taking notes in class. I want to tell the listeners, you and I have not had a conversation about this yet. You brought up this topic and yes. we we were about to start a conversation. I said, no, let's just wait and let's have a real conversation that you and I would have sitting in my car, right? Yes. And one thing I do want to say is when we bring up stuff that teachers are doing now that we don't do anymore, we've done it. We did yeah. it in the past. So dead notes. Or, you know, just copy this, write down this worked problem that I have, you copied, I've been there, I've done it. And what did you say about in your teacher's college? What did they do? One of the things that they taught us to do was to give notes that have this outline and have fill in the blanks so that the students can like listen and pay attention. And then when you get to that part, they fill in the blank. But even as a student, and I remember this as a student who was, you know, learning to become a teacher, Mm -hmm. I was just waiting for like the sentence that had the fill in the blank. I was just waiting for the next one. Like, okay, when, when's this part going to come? So I think I missed out on all the other sentences that were being said or taught or whatever. You did. Just super focused on this, the one word that was missing from you know, the fill in the blank. You did. You missed it. That's for sure. And I do want to tell the listeners, we are discussing chapter 11. This is where we're getting some of our information from, from Building Thinking Classrooms, Peter Lilladal's book. So I will definitely put that in the show notes. If you've never heard of this book before, please look it up. Please get it. Please read it. And there are Facebook groups about it. And I mean... So many people are discussing this book right now. Yeah, it is a game changer of a book. It will change the way you teach and for all for the better, all for the better. All of it. One of the reasons why I wanted to discuss this topic was because I I was having a conversation with a teacher at my school and we were talking about how, you know, at this point in the year, we've taught adding fractions and multiplying fractions And kids often, every year it happens, mix up the procedure, right? Mm -hmm. When you add fractions, you have to change the denominators and- But you you and I I both know you don't have to. Right. 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 Um, They mix up their procedures, right? So when they're adding fractions, they want to, now, now that they've learned how to multiply fractions and multiply numerator times numerator, denominator times denominator, they now want to go back to adding fractions and add numerator plus numerator, denominator plus denominator. So that becomes a problem. Anyway, we were discussing this. The teacher said, I I have to go back and and write some notes so that they have them in their notebooks because they're mixing up the procedure 
teachers and I need them to have, you know, a place where they can refer back to how to do this because they're not remembering. And that's that's a really common notion, idea, um, teaching idea, I guess, right? That that if they have it in their notebook, right. they will learn it. Right. And or, or they will understand it. Yeah. And yeah. and I listen, I I get it, but I think I think one thing we forget as adults, as adult learners, we're different than than children learners. So you're comparing, you know, yourself to a 10-year-old. A 10-year-old. <laughs> Let me tell you about a 10-year-old. I have a 10-year-old. A 10-year-old, my 10-year-old <laughs> will not will not be going into his notebook to go back and read something that he doesn't understand. Neither will my 17-year-old. Okay. Yeah. So, and I mean, maybe, and I know that I have a very select few in my class, those students who will go back. Mm Mm-hmm. And actually read, you know, something that they were, will refer back to something that it was written or or something that that's they less than a handful. Correct. Yeah. That's the problem, and I think that that's that's what I'm trying to get to is that it's not a significant amount of kids that will refer back and actually use the notebook to the purpose that it's you know meant to be used or the design the the design of it, mm-hmm. it's not beneficial. At the end of the day, I don't I don't think it helps. And so you're using class time that could be used for, like we've discussed, experiences, learning opportunities. Discussions among the kids. Discussion of rich tasks and rich problems. Using manipulatives, you know, building things and, and drawing them. And you're using that time instead to just copy. And I I just don't think that, yeah, I just don't see it as helpful. I mean, listen, last year was a beast of a year. That was completely different. Everything we did, we did in our notebooks, everything, because I had, you know, hybrid, I had kids online, I had kids in person. There was nothing that I could do other than just, let's just write it down. And we're just going to have examples because I don't know what you're doing. And I don't know, you know, what's happening. We are just forgetting last year. Okay. Right. So that, yes, we've been there. And it, it is, it is hard because we come with the mentality of, well, I need that. I need notes as an adult because I don't remember, right? I go to a meeting. I take notes so that I remember what it is that we talked about so that I can apply it, right? Right. But I don't know. I, I, like that foundational math, those foundational math skills, do they need to be written? Do you want me to answer that? Because the answer yeah, is, yeah. <laughs> the answer is no, they don't need to write it. Okay. I'm going to give you a few quotes. And I know you're going to give us a few quotes too yeah, from the book that are just little snippets. And listeners, I want to tell you, there's a whole bunch of research around all the stuff we're going to say, but we don't have time to get into that in this episode. So here's the first quote I want to say. Of those students who did take notes, more than half were not keeping up with the teacher. Yeah. Right? Because just like what First of all, what you were saying about the fill in the blank, you're only listening for that word to fill in. But can you imagine the kids that are just, and again, I've done this in the past, you've done this too, where we're writing and we expect the kids to keep writing and listen to us at the same time. 
Right. Yeah. There's no such thing as multitasking. There isn't. I mean, I I don't, I'm going to throw out a a completely made up statistic, but if 1% of the entire world's population can multitask, I think that would be a lot. Yeah. But our brains can only focus on one thing. You and I learned that at the Teaching with the Brain and Mind conference, right? Yes. Okay. Tell the listeners another quote that you have from the book. It goes right along with, it piggybacks right off of what you were saying, that this continual effort to track, write, and keep up with the teacher's thinking requires a huge amount of cognitive effort, which causes students to fall further behind to the point where they just stop listening and trying to make sense of what they are writing. That's you. That was you. Yeah. It really is them just copying and they're not making any sense of it. And you you know what you said? You said keep up with the teacher's thinking. Yes. It's not the kids doing any thinking. No, it's not. Again, it's just let me show you what it is. And because, and I think this is why they don't go back to it, because it is the teacher's thinking and they're not, they're not there. No. That's that's not where they are. We already know this stuff. Yes. (laughs) Yes. So we want them to have a, a nice example of how to divide a whole number by a unit fraction. But if they're not ready to to un, like to be there because they haven't gotten the experiences of it, it doesn't matter how beautiful it is in their notebook. They're not ready. They're, and and you're showing it to them, but it's not. Yeah, I, I it's just there's there's not that connection, right? It's not doing what we want it to do. I was going to read just another one of the little sidebars, but I I literally have to read this little snippet between an interviewer and a student, okay? Okay. And the the little sidebar what I wanted to read was copying dead notes was a mindless activity. But here's yes. the interaction and it's only four little snippets. The interviewer Say a bit more about why you can either listen or you can write notes. Why not both at the same time? The student says, oh, I can do both for a while at the beginning. But when I start to fall behind, I just end up writing the whole class and miss everything the teacher is saying. And in the end, I don't even know what I have written anyways. The interviewer says, because you weren't listening? And the student says, no, because I actually stop paying attention to what I am writing. I just kind of go into this zombie state and just copy what is on the board. This is why I've decided to just listen to the teacher. I can take a picture of my friend's notes later. Right? Mic drop. Like, yeah. (sighs) Yeah. I, and I think we forget that taking notes is not an easy thing to do. No. Taking notes in itself is an art form and a skill that needs to be developed. I've tried different kinds of notes. I've tried sketch notes. Sketch notes. I've yep. tried, which was really fun. I've tried, you know, and that's where, so sketch notes, if you're not familiar with what those are, you're, you're sketching out in like little graphics, something that you are trying to learn, right? So it's, it's like a little image that goes with it and you use a whole page, but you try to keep it simple and you're really trying to summarize it to just the, the big ideas, right? The big major important points. 
also not easy to do. The first time I did a sketch note, it was like <laughs> all over the place. But then you you get better and you get better at, at trying to pick up like what was meaningful to you. That's the key. Yes. Right? Yes. And what is meaningful to me is different than what's meaningful to you, right? It's like – it's just like when we read books, when you and I read books. Yeah. Sometimes we'll have the same part highlighted and we're like, oh, yeah, I highlighted that too. But sometimes we don't. Right. And that's because it didn't speak to you the way it spoke to me, right? There was something about it in my experiences and my background knowledge that that it just came out from the page. But yeah, so I think P- Peter does a really good job of transferring the responsibility of notes and putting it onto the students. So instead of these dead notes, as he calls them, he he shifts it to thinking about like shifting your mindset around notes and putting the students in charge and saying, what if you were to write notes to your future forgetful self? And I love that. So like I get goosebumps. I I love that so much. That idea of let the kids decide what it is that they need to remember. On that note, again, so much research in this. And there's two little sidebars I want to say just about that. By grade eight, students have become encultured into a more mindless form of note-taking, and they have lost the ability to decide for themselves what to write down. And here's the other one. What the grade eight and nine students needed, in essence, was a support tool to help scaffold and organize their notes they needed graphic organizers. So yeah. what you just said about your sketch note the first time, wah, because it's overwhelming, right? Yes, yes. And, and when you have started taking notes, let's just say maybe fourth grade, and so you've got fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, you don't know what you should be writing down. Right. Which is why graphic organizers are super important. But just like you said about the notes to my future forgetful self, let the kids start deciding young what yes. they should be writing down. And you've done that in your classroom this year, right? I have. I have. Now, I, I wish that I had more time to do it. And, and here's here's the thing with the notes to my future forgetful self too, right? Just like anything else, you don't want to be the one who always is catching mistakes. If kids write something down that's wrong, let it be. Let them go back and find it. Or when they're talking to them to each other, like, oh, here's my example. Here's what I drew. It is so much more powerful if kids see it themselves than if I'm constantly looking over their shoulder and like checking their work, checking their example, making sure that it works out. Right. Just just step back. Just step back. And I know that that's hard because it, it is hard for them for like the idea that they have something wrong in their notebook and that they go back and they, you know, look at it and they'll study it. I get I get that that's hard because that's what we think, right? They, we right. think that this is what they're going to study and then they're going to get it wrong. But they they have to start taking responsibility. They have to start taking ownership or else of their thinking. Their thinking. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And, and we're not saying throw fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth graders to the wolves at the beginning. Yes. No. Obviously, we're going to have to do some modeling. But in that modeling, I think, and I don't know how you did it the first time, but I would just picture you asking the kids, what do you think is important to write down? That's what I, yeah. Right? That's exactly, that's exactly what I did. I asked them 
what from from what you've learned, like what should we write down together? Right. What should we write down together? And then we did write it together and and then I gave them time and space to, you know, write it in their own words or write it in for themselves. I, I've also done where, you know, I had notes because I took so many notes last year. I put it up on Google Classroom. Here's all my notebook. And you pick. You pick which notes you think you want to go back to. You pick the ones you want to copy, you know, like if you think that you need to, if you think that you, this is something that you are going to forget, then take that and you, you write that down, you know, so, so that that way, at least it's a little bit more in their control. Like they have choice. Right. I felt like that was a little bit more powerful than me just saying, write all of this, you know, because it's baby steps. They have to see, I'm dealing with fifth graders. They, they haven't been given this this luxury of writing down what you want. Are you kidding me? <laughs> so they don't know what to do. Right. You know, and a lot of the the samples, I think Laura Wheeler has some samples of of some notes that she's done with like 10th graders and I, older, older kids, like high schoolers. There's places, there's boxes. You, she kind of has divided the page into a few sections. So there's like one box with like vocabulary, write down the definition of of the words that are important, right? Yes, like this. So what page is that, Laura? It's page 199. In the Building Thinking Classrooms book, it shows, what are the four categories there? There's a graphic organizer, and it says vocabulary slash definition, big ideas slash concepts, procedures, and examples. Yeah. Right? And And isn't that all they need? Like, couldn't you just do that? And from one of the wipe books, right, that's your example. Yep. And the the part that I love about the notes to my future forgetful self, there's this is the last sidebar that I'm going to share. It says through worked examples, students have the potential to communicate to their future selves not only how to do something, but why something is done. Mm. Right? Yes. Why do we multiply across for fraction by fraction? Why do we Find a common denominator if you have to, you know, for adding fractions, which we don't, but you know. When you say we don't need to find common denominators, is that like you're saying like if I have one half plus one sixth? Well, I'm I'm thinking like to go to the next benchmark. So what did you say? Half and a sixth? Yeah. Well, that one, we'd, we'd go to sixths, right? Yes. But it's all about having number sense. Right. Well, like a half and three fourths. Well- you know, breaking apart three fourths into a half and a fourth. So now we've got one and a fourth. I see. I see. Right. Yeah. That's what I meant. Listeners, our challenge for you this week is instead of your students copying dead notes, let's make it a little bit more lively for them and take the big chart paper or on your whiteboard, write down whatever the kids are talking about. If your kids aren't up and doing the thinking classroom, and then let the kids decide what to write down in their notebooks. We can't wait to hear from you. Thanks for joining us. We'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast and give us a five-star review on your favorite podcasting platform. We invite you to join the conversation on Twitter by using the hashtag learningthroughmath. We'd love to hear your feedback. Make sure to tag us at Laura and Karina. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. See you too.